Hey, this is Yana with 23T, a podcast all about the starving artists and where I'll be spilling the tea all over myself. Back then, I wore my mom's fur coat to school. I was like, fuck everybody, bruh. It is just so true. You have to have the thickest skin. I was actually thinking of deleting Facebook. You're literally selling yourself as your business. Yeah, so this is my third attempt at post-secondary. One in three people in North America don't know their neighbor's name. People aren't ready for the hate that comes with it. Okay, hi guys. Welcome back to 23T. Welcome back to Women's March where we're celebrating all female artists for the month of March. It was just my birthday, um, so happy belated to me. And I do have a guest here with me today, but I'm going to tell you my bad news. So my bad news today, I had to think about it and then I was like, oh, this is a good one. My brother has a serious habit of buying things that are very expensive from Apple Usually Apple is his go-to and then selling it within like six months to a year. So usually he loses about like hundreds of dollars, I would say. Um, And his latest purchase and resell was his desktop, his Mac desktop. This, what you're looking at right now, there used to be a big, beautiful computer here. And he didn't tell me that he was selling it. And I was looking at desktop computers to buy for myself. And he sold his for like, he bought it for 2400 last year, sold it for 1500 And I was like, you did not do that. And I was so mad. Um, so that's my bad news. I could have had a new, basically new, because he never used a desktop computer. Um, and my brother selfishly sold it without telling me. But okay, let's move on. That's the only bad news that I got. Um, so I'm here with someone today that we're meeting for the first time. Uh, this is Cynthia. Hello. Nice to meet you all. <laughs> um, so Cynthia and I don't know each other, like I said. So we know each other through a mutual friend, Jess. Also, help yourself to a truffle. Thank you. Compliments of Jess. I don't oh, know. no Do you have way. any allergies? No, I don't. Okay, perfect. Um, if you want well. one, please feel free. Thank you. Um, yeah, but Jess sort of said to me, like, she gave me a few recommendations of who she thinks that I should talk to. Mm. I checked you out and was I was good. like... Is it good? I haven't even had one. I'm going to have one later. Um, and I was like, oh, like checking out your stuff and whatever. is like so cool. And um, for you, I'm being sustainable today and wearing the same outfit I wore yesterday. I love it. <laughs> Rewearing. Um, no, it's literally because I came from Toronto uh, really late at night and brought one outfit, which I sometimes do because I hate carrying things. When I drive, I'll bring more stuff. But if I take the bus, like, I honestly bring one outfit. And oh, I'm, like, I'm good same. for two days. Good mm-hmm. for two days. Yeah. I and used to commute back to Mississauga <laughs> to visit my family. And I was mm-hmm. the same. I was like, nope, I'm wearing the same thing to sleep, to go out, like, whatever. Yeah. It all works. Make it work. And we'll get into that because one of my favorite things that I saw you post about was five di- different ways to wear um, this, like, black and white shirt. Yeah. And it was... It was, guys, you need to check out her stuff because I was like, this shirt looks different every time. How did you do this? And it looked so good on you. Oh, and thank I was like, you. I love this. I need this. Um, before we fully get into it, though, I got really excited. We need to pick a tea. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I just got these teas from um, for my birthday. So I got some Earl, Ga- Earl Grey flavor, excuse me, from my brother. And from his girlfriend, I got some green tea. So It's laid out really professionally here, you guys. I'll like leave it to cafe. you. Um, yeah, I guess we have pomegranate. I haven't touched these. I just got these. So you're going to be the first. I'm a black tea person because of my Asian roots. I mean, green tea too, but let's do a, a creamed Earl Grey. Okay. That sounds fun. Okay. Perfect. I also showed up with coffee guys because I'm addicted, honestly, and I need to work on it. And not just any coffee. It's like an (laughs) extra, extra large. It's like, girl, it's okay. It's just a long day. When you're busy busy and you're a hustler, nothing, nothing really works. So exactly. Do you think, oh, let's see if I can do this. Oh, God. True professional. Just a little bit. You think that's fine? Yeah. I feel like, yeah. Okay. Oh. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Overstimulated. Okay. Got our tea. Got my tea kettle. I'm prepared. I like this setup. This is cool. Have you ever thought about doing this in a video? Yeah, I want to get into that with you because I know you do YouTube. Like, I have so many ideas. I've only been doing this, I'm almost at three months now. Amazing. It's pretty fresh. I was looking at your Insta and I was like, wow, like, you just started this. It seems so professional. Thank you very much. I love it. Like, I love a good hustle. Um, I would love to have, like, an entire setup where I have, like, couches, 
you know like make it like a whole tea party tea set yes love that I think it's just difficult because the amount that I go back and forth from Toronto to Waterloo because there's so many awesome people here and growing up here um I have I feel like more connections than I have in Toronto totally yeah so I'm like I don't know if I can like do both and then it's like always different if I do a video um but yeah let's talk about you let's talk about you okay (laughs) okay we can do both yeah um so yeah no I just like checked out your stuff and I was like oh this is really great I kind of want to hear more about like sort of how you introduce yourself what you call yourself because when I first looked at you I was like oh she's really into fashion sustainable fashion thrifting um and yeah like go like introduce yourself all the things okay Mm -hmm. all the things my pitch I don't really have one it's always a work in progress it's only something that I've started to do recently is learning how to be modest but also you know pitch yourself Mm -hmm. so I'm gonna try and hopefully this (laughs) goes well (laughs) my name is Cynthia I am a content creator now business owner for something called Inspiro which is this sustainable fashion brand that I created a really long time ago it came from me combining inspire and you together to create the word inspiro um so it started off as a youtube channel where I just shared how I built a sustainable wardrobe without sacrificing style and whether that meant thrifting or ethical fashion sustainable materials and then recently I launched a website where I sell my thrifted clothes online because I've always gotten questions about people from people asking if they could buy the stuff that I've thrifted Mm -hmm. Um, and on top of that I'm also a tech lady so I work full-time at hive.co which is a startup here in Kitchener and we do email marketing and I do content marketing and design for them so it's all these crazy things amazing (laughs) yeah um, I want to ask you more about this website specifically and say the name of it again. Inspiro. So you said uh, inspiring you? Yeah. Okay. It came from me wanting to have a brand or a store one day and something similar to Aritzia that kind of rolls off your tongue but has a more kind of like couture vibe that's mm-hmm. a bit more fancy but still like relatable and just I thought fun for something that's you know mm-hmm. elegant mm-hmm. and you were saying you're not um like sacrificing style which is which is awesome because I personally love to thrift and I'm looking at all of this stuff and I'm like you've got style like I would wear these Aww, things thank I'm you. not like I'm not gonna be I'm not like oh this looks like you know what I mean like yeah. it's so obviously thrifted or whatever like a lot of like it's good quality um probably and it happens to me a lot where I like I go thrifting I'm like this is new like or it still has its tag yeah. or whatever and I'm like I don't know why like I guess now it's more popular than ever and I wanted to ask you too about a couple businesses in town like how you feel about them and whatever because they've gotten really popular whereas I growing up here going to like Luster and Oak didn't yeah. used to always be called Luster and Oak yeah it was like yeah like not not that many people yeah. knew about not it mainstream not, not mainstream. socially acceptable sometimes mm-hmm. um yeah so I started going thrifting because there was a Goodwill near my house mm-hmm. and this was in grade like nine or ten um and it wasn't seen as something cool back then. It was like very hipster niche for it to be right. cool to only a very small subset of people. And I got it. Like it felt dirty when you went and it felt like you couldn't find things sometimes. Um, but I love that it's gotten to a place where it's so trendy and it's so mm-hmm. acceptable and it's mm-hmm. looked as cool to be a thrifter and to wear secondhand clothes. Um So it's amazing to see all these businesses that have grown into what they are, especially in this local community that support this notion and this niche of like consigned clothing. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I think it's just something that's going to make the world a better place. I think the only caveat that I have to that is that a lot of people think that donating their stuff to the thrift store is the solution to our fashion problem and Mm -hmm. our consumption habits. And Mm -hmm. that isn't the case. But that's something that we can dive into later. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Um, like personally for me and I I understand what you're saying about like it wasn't always like kind of like dirty or whatever you want to like say about it is I think it can definitely still be professional um because people don't know where you buy your shit from like let's be real and a lot of these things are like really good finds and what is unprofessional about um like wanting first of all paying like a better price for what's being sold yeah. rather than like overpriced items. Yeah. And also like they're legit things from stores that you would go to anyways and you would like go to the office or like whatever it is. 
Um, and I think it's also like a conversation piece. Like, where did you get it? Whatever. Like, I, I personally love it. I've, I've always thrifted. And even like places like Valley Village, Talese, not just like those like now they're like cool and yeah, like popping. Like the boutique ones. I'm yeah. always going to stay to my roots. Like, mm-hmm. I love Talese, like Valley Village and the Goodwills more than all the other boutiques. Mm-hmm. Just because I feel like when you know how to thrift, Mm-hmm. You just know. Mm-hmm. And it's also hard to see the value in paying that extra price for someone that curates that for you. Mm-hmm. But I also see the value in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cool that you mentioned, too, that you can find brands that you shop at now. Like I see more Zara, I see more Forever 21 and mm-hmm. all those brands that are still trendy and mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's cool that you're saving that textile from going to waste, at right. like a dump. Um, but the other thing I love, too, is that a lot of people think that thrifting is a very specific style, like streetswear, mm-hmm, urban. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I think what I like about it and I think what I've achieved through Inspiro is you can find like a very timeless and classic style at the thrift store, too. And that's not what people usually think about first. So it's cool when people are like, oh, like, I love your style and I love that it's thrifted because I don't necessarily think of the style when I think of thrifting. Right. Right. So that's something I'm proud of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's more so what I meant about like it being kind of like it's not dirty. It's almost like like grungy. Like I feel like yeah. when people think about thrifting, you think of like the black market and you have to be like a certain type of person that like puts out a certain aesthetic, which like I don't think is true. Not that like literally the clothes you're buying are dirty. Like, of course, they're clean. I mean, like it's a certain image, but it doesn't have to be. And like yours definitely isn't. It's very it's very clean, and very professional, in my opinion. Um, you're welcome but I want to kind of also talk about you I went through your YouTube channel and you've got a great following oh thank you Um, (laughs) and I was like oh okay like how long has she kind of been doing it for and I saw like recently you posted like just like a couple weeks ago maybe a couple days ago yeah Um, and then but I was like oh she's been putting out stuff since like four years ago so is that kind of and it seems to be like similar content like all to do with fashion sustainable fashion blogging vlogging um, is that kind of where you started everything was YouTube? Yeah, it was funny because we started off, me and my best friend Hannah, like known her since kindergarten. We're both creative in our own way. Um, we wanted to just make those funny tag videos that everyone was doing on YouTube at the time, like chubby bunny challenges and like mm. random things like that or like the cinnamon challenge. Right. Um, so we did that because we thought it was fun and we just wanted a creative outlet to express ourselves. And we found YouTube as this amazing platform where because we were both pretty introverted and we both had personalities, but we're kind of scared to share it with the world when we were growing up in middle school, high school. So mm-hmm. that's why we kind of turned to YouTube, which I think is the story for a lot of people who've been doing YouTube for a long time. Um, but then it was three or four years ago where I found this niche in sustainable fashion because I think it started with how I discovered thrifting. I was in high school and I was reading about fast fashion and how it started. So I learned about Zara because they're the people that created this whole system for mm-hmm. sus- like for fast fashion based on their um, their business model. Yeah. Um, and then that kind of intrigued me. And I think it was also because I woke up one day and I was like, why do I own so many clothes that I don't care about? And mm-hmm. why do I open my closet, have so many clothes laying around and not think that I have anything to wear right so trying to repair my relationship with clothes my relationship with fashion through being more conscious of what I owned and what I bought and then that kind of opened up the doors to learning about the waste that we generate because of the way that we buy because we buy from being emotional which was a big thing that I dealt with and I think everyone Uh deals with yeah and then how that also trickled into basically everything else like this whole realm is so big so Mm -hmm. I would say that this is how that that was how I started and then when I kind of discovered this niche that I wanted to talk about that's when the sustainable fashion content started coming because I was like there's so much information out there but it's a little overwhelming to stumble across um and there is no really one clear answer and so I wanted to share that with people so that it seemed attainable for anyone to start and for anyone to incorporate even any slightest form of these values in the way that they viewed clothing the way that they viewed shopping um And that's kind of where I'm at now is like Mm -hmm. you don't have to be this like one specific formula to make you a sustainable person. Um, It's a journey and a process and all of us continue to learn about it. There's no right answer. There's just a better way of living. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So how do you feel about um, stores like that that are like Zara, H&M, Uniqlo, even uh, Forever 21? Do you like do shop at them? Do you? it seems like you're trying to send this message of like you can find these clothes other places or find clothes that you actually care about like are you are you pro like Zara or are you just like let's just like at least learn about it so that we understand so even if you do buy it at least you're like conscious of what you're actually doing yeah I'm very much 
anti-fast fashion. Mm-hmm. I haven't bought from those retailers in a really long time, um, which was a hard transition to make because I see the value in showing who you are and showing your personality through clothes and wanting the cheaper price point. Mm-hmm. And I don't hate on anybody that shops at these stores because I realize like that money at the end of the day is the key driver to how you shop. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to hate on anyone and be like, you shouldn't shop at these stores because what if they only have a budget of like $15 to spend and that's why they're buying from somewhere like H&M or Forever 21. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say like I ha- I kind of have like a, a pyramid to how I approach shopping and the base layer, like the key foundation and fundamental way of thinking about it is – just think about what you're buying so that you're not buying something just to wear it once. Mm-hmm. Buy something because you like it and you think that you can wear it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that applies to wherever you shop, whether it's thrifting or these fast fashion retailers. Because um, a lot of the times people who shop at fast fashion retailers are doing it because they want to keep up with trends. So right. that's how they buy a $5 t-shirt, know that it's only $5, so it's really easy for them to get rid of it, and Mm -hmm. that's what I don't agree with. Mm -hmm. But in terms of making style and making freedom of personality and expression accessible to people, I think that what they're doing is amazing. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's like you shouldn't shouldn't add to this consumer society, and, like, there's so many layers to it. So it's it's a really hard topic for me to explain in a way where people aren't immediately like, oh, you're pro this, you're anti that. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people like to have really strong stances. And I think Mm. just who I am, I'm like, no, like, let's just hear it out. And there's so many, like, things to consider. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's (laughs) that's my really long answer to that. No, 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 it's good. I wanted to hear it. Um, Something that, like, that reminded me of something that my brother said literally the other day. He was like, uh, one of the biggest mistakes he made was buying a brand new car. And because, like, as soon as you buy a brand new car, it loses, like, 25% of its value right. or something like that. And, okay, RT is ready, yes. yes. Um, oh, or, I thought you were going to che- cheers. Yeah, I was like, ooh. I don't know if that was loud enough <laughs> to hear. Spills it everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I was, he was like, oh, like, I should have bought, like, a even a year-old car. It would have made no difference. But he's like, now I feel like it's out of my system. Like, I've done it. I would never do it again. But he, it was almost like an accomplishment for him where he was like, I have this brand new car. Like, I earned it. I deserve it. And now he, it's like out of his system. He can, like, move on and make better, literally better decisions mm-hmm. for uh, just, it, it just doesn't make sense to him now. He's like, why would I buy a brand new car that same day it loses all of this value? And for what? Right. But the flip side of that, because I've had this conversation with a lot of people, they're mm-hmm. like new cars versus whatever, whatever. Um, and to extrapolate it, it's like a lot of people grow up with dreams as a kid. And for a lot of people, that means being able to afford something, whether that's a new car or like a designer mm-hmm. bag or whatever that they have kind of associated success with as how they're going to be successful. And I'm not saying that this is a good argument for making these purchase decisions but Mm -hmm. I think that there's something there where you can get so much intrinsic value from achieving something that you've thought of your whole lifetime so yeah like the car might lose half of its value and depreciate instantly when you drive it off the lot but Mm -hmm. if you are happy driving that car every day because it signifies to you that you're successful and that you and it keeps you motivated like I think there's also value to that that's a really good point. So, That's a really good yeah. point. There's just arguments to everything, yeah, right? Yeah. That's it why almost it makes... depends on the person. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to give you, uh, I just need one second because my dog won't stop crying and I'm going to need to let him out and he knows I'm talking about him already. <laughs> so I'm going to put my mic down for one second. He's so cute he though. Does, like, I don't know if you could hear his nails clicking and clacking on the floor, but it's like the cutest thing ever. <laughs> This is why he's not allowed, because he Aww. cannot make up his mind. I'm like, if you're going to be here, you have to stay here. <laughs> uncommitted. He, yeah, he's uncommitted, just like me. Um, Same. <laughs> All but, <a> tea. <laughs> um, but yeah, I kind of want to ask you, too, like, uh, talking about those boutiques in Waterloo, um, is that, I don't know if that's, like, a goal of yours to open up your own boutique, or if you're just going to do strictly online, or, like, how you feel about those boutiques. I kind of want to hear the tea from you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um the tea wow (laughs) I think that if I were to have an issue with anything that those boutiques are doing is that they're accepting things from like forever 21 and H&M I'm seeing more and more and pricing them really high where Mm. I'm like no like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
it's not fair. Right. <laughs> but I still love what they're doing because they're making thrifting as a concept more accessible to people yeah. and making it easier for people to see the value in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll talk more on it. I, okay. Just because I've been shopping at these places for a really long time, like I mentioned. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I absolutely noticed that I used to go to these places and I was paying like under 10 bucks. And I have some of my favorite pieces from there. Yeah. Now I'm going there and seeing like tags that are like, like you're saying, like H&M, Zara. Um, and it's priced sometimes at like the same or like. Right. At, I don't want to say even more because I doubt they're doing that. But I'm like, how are these prices so high? Yeah. Um, and I'm not trying to spend thirty dollars. Um, like, that's not why I'm going there. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, if I wanted to go and spend 30 40 50 bucks um i would buy a new shirt right or a new pants or whatever yeah um and yeah because I, I think personally for myself it does have a lot to do with price like i'm not going there because i think i'm like edgy or like right. something i'm doing because i'm like i'm trying to find some cool shit that like right. looks good that i can like mix and match and whatever for a fair price yeah um and yeah so I'm like what why is it changing and I think a lot of it has to do with how popular that it's getting right um and I don't know I'm not like I don't know the business side of things um but for me like yeah I want to see more time spent into what they're choosing to put out to sell to people yes agreed Mm -hmm. and I get that as a business who has that much traffic and that much popularity and from what I've just experienced trying to set up my store just even online right now is there is a lot of costs that are associated with running a business, mm-hmm. but I would never price something from like, okay, let me use my own store as an example. For just sure. So that I keep like unbiased. Of and course. Politically correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the reason I've, I've gotten a lot of amazing support about my prices being reasonable and it's because I spent so much time thinking about them, learning about how to mark up things. Um, and yeah, it's a bit more expensive than if you go, thrifting yourself or if you go to like forever 21 or things like that but i honestly think it's pretty on par with what h&m and those fast fashion places are now Mm -hmm. but the reason i'm pricing them higher is because like the things that i'm sourcing are usually made like in canada made on shore Mm -hmm. made with fabrics that i think are going to last longer and a lot of it is also just that i'm one person and it takes a lot of time to do all these things and like squarespace or like shopify itself is at least like 400 dollars a year like it's a lot of money and that's only one portion of it so I didn't know it was that much. Yeah. What are you using for this website? Right now I'm using Squarespace. Squarespace. Dang. But I want to eventually move to Shopify. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of, of money and a lot of costs that are associated that I didn't even think about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, okay, I get that it might be priced a bit more. But even then, like for a lot of these pieces, I'm like, no, like they're brands that I believe in or they're, they're like materials and qualities that yeah. I think are going to last a long time. So I can see why like there's value in pricing it a bit higher than let's say I got something from H&M, like that dress that you're hovering on yeah. is H&M and I priced it at $13. $13 which is, like, is very fair. Yeah. I was going to, th- I was hovering over <laughs> it because I was like, well, this is really cute and right. it's 13 bucks. And like, I would never thrift something fast fashion or I try not to. Um, but recently there are times where I let myself when I think that something is really stylish. Cause I've also, it's hard when you're in, when you're trying to be stylish while being sustainable, I go through phases with this where I've felt sometimes where I don't have a style because I don't let myself buy things that I think are fun because I don't think they're timeless. Mm. So this is another notion that I've learned to balance more, but it's always like a learning process Mm -hmm. is you want to have your core pieces that you can rely on and depend on. I went through a phase where I did capsule wardrobes for a bit, which kind of really taught me the lesson of buying versatile pieces that are made to last and are good quality that I know like some of the things in my wardrobe I'm going to have till I'm like a grandma. Yeah. Um, which is amazing, but for someone who grew up loving fashion, mm-hmm. it was hard because I find that my personal identity translates into my clothes. And if I'm wearing a bad outfit one day, it affects my productivity like nothing else. Mm. Um, so that's why I always go back to if you find something that you really love out there, don't like don't beat yourself up because it's coming from somewhere bad. Mm-hmm. Like there's def- there's layers to how you can be thoughtful and conscious Mm -hmm. about buying something and obviously the dream is to always have products that are made well and by people who are treated and like employed ethically and made with fabrics that are sustainable and sourced well and Mm -hmm. like all these factors but it's also you need to love it and Mm -hmm. you need to be happy at the end of the day like Mm -hmm. are you 
you know what I mean so it's all of these factors coming into play and yeah like we're all trying to get to that end goal but the unfortunate thing is that right now that end goal is fucking expensive yeah like I've worked for Eileen Fisher too which is this amazing leader in women's um, sustainable fashion they've been doing it for probably as long as Patagonia um and they're also just people who believe and stand for sustainable fashion mm-hmm. um but their pieces are like four hundred dollars for a sweater mm-hmm. and i'm like okay like this is amazing what they stand for and amazing that this sweater was made by a family who owns a mill in spain and all this stuff mm-hmm. but for the everyday consumer and for someone who's just getting into sustainable fashion if you tell them that this is the only way to be sustainable yeah. like there's no way you're gonna get buy-in so yeah i think it's like both from the consumer side of wanting to be conscious, but also from the brand side of like, how do we make this kind of the the baseline for the fashion industry is like something to toy with. I've always thought about, okay, let's say that brands like H&M and Zara and all of that change the way that they go about creating clothes. Mm-hmm. Like how would that change everything? And what if there's cust- like consumer buy-in? It's just such a hefty topic that there's so much to think about. So I don't even know how to explain that in like a concise mm-hmm. form. But you're doing like- a really great job. Oh, thank you. I'm also <laughs> eating a truffle. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like eating a truffle, listening to Cynthia, having the time of my life. <laughs> oh yeah. No, you're explaining things really well. Okay, thank you. And I think people get it. Yeah. And like, I also like to talk about. Um, I've lately been talking more and more about money finances because it's something that i'm starting to get into just with age Mm -hmm. how old are you 23 going on 24 next month Mm -hmm. okay so yeah we're always like every guest that i have on it seems to be a trend because it's from like mutual friends or people that i reach out to that are in similar positions but i just turned 24 and have just gone through this phase of realizing i really need to start being more conscious of how i'm spending my money right um and that comes with graduating having student loans working part-time jobs trying to start up my own stuff and it has translated into my everyday life where I don't shop as much I don't eat out as much Mm -hmm. and I think you're just making a good point of like I do want to be this good person right and be sustainable but I also can't afford $400 sweaters right so I saw this somewhere too Mm -hmm. so the concept of like buying and investing in a piece that's four hundred dollars i used to think was like the best and like end all solution until i saw this article recently um not recently it was like a few months ago but Mm -hmm. um a lot of people say even if you don't make that much money you can still save enough money for that 400 sweater but let's say that you have a fairly low income Mm -hmm. you are not going to ever only buy and wear one sweater that's $400 because first of all that's not practical Mm -hmm. and I think that's why a lot of the times I can't hate on the state of the fashion industry which kind of circles back to the way that I explained it in the beginning because for a lot of people even just saving that $400 for that one sweater just doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. for those types of people and for me at one point and even now spending ten dollars on a sweater from like the thrift store or from h&m or whatever is convenient even because time is money as well Mm -hmm. um i could end up still loving and wearing that sweater for five years if i Mm -hmm. took proper care of it Mm -hmm. it probably wouldn't wash and wear as well as a four hundred dollar sweater but Mm -hmm. for the value for that person it's like it's worth it's worth it and it's a whole different kind of perspective of thinking of it where you can't just tell someone like, it just, it doesn't make any sense. Like, mm-hmm. it makes sense until you think about it and you think about <laughs> all the people out there and the different yeah. circumstances in the world, and mm-hmm. it just doesn't make sense. So I'm like, yeah. okay, we need to reframe. And this also was a similar parallel to when there was Boxing Day or when there was, like, Black Friday sales, and everyone was like, don't purchase things on these days. Don't support consumerism. For me, and for a lot of, like, slow fashion and sustainable fashion brands voice this, too, it was, like, the one day where people who probably have been saving money for these pieces for a long time maybe you've got the chance to afford something because it was put on sale. So mm-hmm. it's like this this concept is, doesn't even pertain specifically to sustainable fashion. It just right. pertains to like the pricing of fashion in general and yeah. how it reaches and is more accessible to more people. But I feel like there's something there. And I feel like that can't be forgotten when we kind of dive into these conversations about sustainability and about ethics. It's like so many variables, mm-hmm. <laughs> which mm-hmm. I keep going back to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I kind of want to go into more uh, your YouTube. Yes. Uh, so I watched a couple of your episodes and 
like some of them that I watched, I was like, this is, this is really great. Like you're very open about your own life, things that you go through. It's not just about um, style and fashion. You kind of just like like dabble in everything more like daily vlogs. Yeah. Um. So just kind of talk about you already shared with us like sort of how it started with like your friend. You're just like was that person that like kind of wanted yeah. to get into it, like make it fun and whatever. Where did that transition happen where you were like, oh, I want to start talking about like thrifting um, my life and where it kind of stands now and if it's a, a important to you like you really want to make it like a bigger channel like where you're going with it basically totally so the transition happened pretty organically when I was learning about stuff like I said earlier because um, I just wanted to share what I was learning with others to make it more accessible because I wanted this shift into sustainable slow fashion to be a big thing mm-hmm. um, and I wanted to be a part of that And I wanted to share my life because it became something where I just got this amazing supportive following of people who were growing the same time I was, Mm -hmm. um, learning about the the same things that I was learning about. So my goal with this channel is to just be me and to share what I'm learning, to share my failures and my processes so that it kind of helps other people who might be in the same situation. Um, And I don't ever... I've never seen it as like, oh, I want to be famous or Mm -hmm, like, oh, mm -hmm. I want this to make money. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I don't make anything close to what it takes to do all this. But Mm -hmm. it's just like the intrinsic value of feel like of making connections and connecting with people. Mm -hmm. Like the things that have kept me me going over the years is like when I got a comment from someone who's like, oh, I've been watching you for so long. Thank you for this video. Or, oh, wow. Like I learned something from this video or, oh, like you know, like I, I missed you, like you haven't posted in so long. And it's just people like that who've followed my journey and who've supported me no matter what, I think is why I keep doing it. Um, Cause it's like, I, I make videos when I have time to, there's mm-hmm. always time, ta- always time. So there's no pressure that you put on yourself to like post weekly, like post on a specific. Oh, day. there's been pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone always, cause you, I don't know. My my high functioning personality is also always like if I do something, I want to do it well and I want to succeed. And YouTube itself is also something that's really difficult because it becomes a number game so easily since it's so associated with who you are and your personality because you're putting your whole life out there. Mm -hmm. So I found myself falling into this mindset a few times um and i think a lot of people who do youtube or who are just online go through because you care so much about your personal business right Mm. um and your hustle and whatever that means if that's youtube insta a blog or whatever Mm -hmm. a podcast Mm -hmm. um where you're like oh like it's not doing as well as i thought Mm -hmm. and then you add a layer in of oh these people started the same time i did they're speaking about the same things i am like Mm -hmm. why am i not growing faster Mm. but the thing that that's taught me and it continues to teach me and i continue to learn and like go through ebbs and flows with it um, and feeling these ways is that you're on your own. I know it's like cliche to say and everyone says it, but you're on your own path, right? And you're running your own marathon and you're not racing anyone. Mm -hmm. And I think realizing that and knowing and like knowing the reason you do it is because of the people and because of the engagement and because of the community you're building versus the numbers or the money or whatever, I think is what's going to make like keep this going for me and keep me passionate and motivated about it for Mm -hmm so long I think that's important mm-hmm. um so now even it's just oh sorry just a way for me to continue sharing my life with people like moving and transitioning back into the startup life too and dealing with things like imposter syndrome or just learning how to be you know ambitious and driven and smart and not dumbing down your achievements is something that like I think is important too because a lot of females are just learning and going through that process too like things that I want to share so Mm -hmm. I feel like the channel is just a reflection of who I am in the current moment and Mm -hmm. yeah like I struggle with putting pressure on myself to like kind of be consistent because people tell you like oh the the only reason to grow and stay relevant on YouTube is to be consistent Mm -hmm. but I think that if you have a following that cares they'll stick around Mm -hmm. um and I think that's what's important so Mm -hmm. yeah and with the algorithms too like you never know right so it's it's smart to stay away from the numbers game, mm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You hit really great points. It's interesting for me because I'm just slowly starting to get onto YouTube. Um, I used to post like very small projects, just personal projects. And now they're private just because the channel's sort of changing. Yeah. Um, and then I like, I was like, how can I put my podcasts onto YouTube? Um, 
because it's all video based, right? And this is all MP3. So I'm like right. changing it to an MP4. But is it does it make a difference if it's just like a picture and then there's audio? Not really. It's the same thing. Um, but no, like I just find channels like this really inspiring. And like oh, hearing you. you talk about it is really cool because it's like you're doing it for the right reasons and it's been a process and it continues to be a process and it's just like where you're at and like so be it. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, no, there's I always going to be mm. people who are in the place that you want to be and there's always going to be people who are looking up to you thinking you're the place they want to be. Of course. So it's funny how that works, but mm -hmm. um, I do want to ask you though, because we're the same age um, and you're not from Waterloo originally. No, I'm from... Mississauga. Mm -hmm. So you're from Mississauga. Did you go to school at all? Yes. So where did you go? For like university. University, yeah. Laurier. For you went to Laurier? BBA, yes. Okay. Did you graduate? Yes. Okay, cool. And so I want to ask you what kept you uh, in Waterloo? Yeah. So never thought I'd be back in Kitchener-Waterloo. <laughs> it's a very interesting story. Okay. When I was in school here, I honestly hated it because I love the big city. Like I love Toronto. I love the energy. And I always thought like... I'd be in New York or be somewhere where there's always a constant kind of heartbeat. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't think Kitchener was like that because even when I would like, even though I was kind of around the city, like I'm not one of those people who just stayed isolated in the student area. Like I yeah. like to explore the food and everything. Mm -hmm. um, I just didn't feel like there was anything for me. Like there was right. no community outside of going to school. Right. Mm -hmm. But well, I can already tell you're like you're high energy. You get a lot of yeah. things done. Growing up in Waterloo, it's a bit of the opposite. We're we're pretty chill here. Right. <laughs> we we kind of just like to, you know, right. sit around a little bit. But what I found amazing about that because I was working in Toronto for a year after I graduated. So context: I went to Laurier for BBA. I had co-ops, so mm -hmm. I I worked in like Mississauga. I worked um, at Kick, which is a start like a startup here for one of my co-ops. That's how I met Michaela, um, who is my now like closest friend and co-worker here um so the reason I came back was because I missed the autonomy like I missed being in a startup and um Michaela always told me these amazing stories about Hive she was the first female hired there so she cool. really had like a transformative impact on the business and the culture um but yeah I just missed being able to do the things that I wanted to do and push things in ways that the company or like a business didn't do before. And I wasn't finding that in fashion. So I'm grateful that I had the experience to learn, but I realized that I wanted to come back here for the startup. And then parallel to that, um, I learned about makers co. So I was at their first meetup and Michaela was like, no, like there is a community forming here of female creatives and makers. And I think that you'll at makers find, co. Yeah. At makers co. Mm -hmm. And so you'll find that this community is changing and she thought that I really enjoyed it. So I was like, okay, like, let's try it out. Let's give it a chance. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of why I came back to Kitchener. And in the beginning, I was a little hesitant. I was like, okay, like, I did school here. The winters are dreary as fuck. There's nothing to do. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. what do you do for fun here? Mm -hmm. And discovering this community, I think, was, like, the most important thing for me. Because, like, now, like, like if you asked me when I was even, like, two years ago if I would be back I'd be like no like there's nothing to do there's nothing right. for people who are creatives but now yeah. I'm like no this space is amazing like everyone needs to move here especially if you're a female mm -hmm. everyone is so supportive and mm -hmm. I think this is why I'm going to be here for longer than I thought I would be here mm -hmm. is because if you're in Toronto if you're in these other spaces what I found is that it's very like competitive very people competitive. are your friends people kind of help you but there's always like a what's the catch there's always an underlying right. for here sure. it's like no like let's empower people and let's fucking just support each other mm -hmm. and like genuinely yeah genuinely i would agree even if you meet a stranger and i think that's the other amazing thing is i've met so many people who have become friends mm -hmm. instantly because mm -hmm. we're kind of in the same like life stage where we're hustling and people just get it and people are equally e open-minded and I think that's amazing. Mm -hmm. So it's not just the inflow of new businesses like Arabella, which I'm always at, which might be a problem, but <laughs> <laughs> um, just like new businesses who are like started or run by females and just female creatives who are supportive. And even just the tech community is, I think, super supportive too and I feel like that's what makes Kitchener really cool and the space to be mm -hmm. and I think it's what sets it apart from others um yeah and mm -hmm. I think like something like I think it's an analogy that I heard recently where it's like this isn't the city where you come and you can just expect it to give you things you mm -hmm. have to give a bit of yourself to the city and then that's when the opportunities are going to come up for you which I think is interesting so it is like it's 
the opportunity is and the energy is there but the heartbeat is just a little bit more low-key you know Mm -hmm. it's like you won't hear it if you're not listening for it so you have to listen but I love that yeah but the other thing I love about it because this is something that I've always struggled with which I'm sure you picked up on when (laughs) the way that I talk about things is that I have trouble slowing down (laughs) so even talking about that I started talking faster like mindfulness is something that and like not stressing or like being anxious or like overthinking things is something that I've tried to work on and mm-hmm. it's something that I'm always going to work on but being here you just have this space to chill and like to regroup and to kind of ground yourself which mm-hmm. I don't think is something that's as easy to do when you're in like a hustle and bustle of Toronto or in another area so I feel like if you're looking for something or a space where you can be creative but also be chill and like kind of choose your work pace or your life pace kw mm-hmm. is a place to be mm-hmm very cool yeah. I, I, i'm like this like weird like proud mom like growing right. up here hearing people talk about kw i'm like like yeah it's bumping i'm like it's my girl kw <laughs> my girl um no it is bumping and i keep i always talk about it because i'm like now living in toronto I, I have this like struggle just again with like where i'm at in my life of like i grew up here spent you know up until i was 19 so like 15 years i came here when i was four and spent literally 15 years elementary school middle school high school and then at 19 like moved to toronto and then moved to korea and then came back amazing yeah you taught in korea for a year right no i went to school there i didn't teach yeah okay um and then came back to toronto and then now i'm graduated and i'm still there and i'm like what like why am I still there is it is it bringing more value to me um than Kitchener would for example and I think a lot of people struggle with the whole thing of like moving back to the smaller city and kind of like failing um which for me it's it's not about that like I know that I have a home here I know that I have a place here I think um which I've mentioned before is like trying being an inspiring actor it's if it's a physical um art where by that I mean I have to go to auditions and right. there is a lot of like I and I mean I talk about it as if like it's still something that I'm aiming towards but I know the process because I know a lot of actors I'm in that industry in that way where I'm surrounded by these people every day so I know that there's a lot of self tapes and stuff like that where you don't have to physically go but I also know that there are a lot of last minute things and there's just so much going on in the city and it keeps growing yeah um, that I'm like would it be a value to me to now go kind of backwards go back to Waterloo and if I did get an agent and if things did start working out for me um driving there all the time right. and having to commute and it be this three hour thing. No, um, no, no. So I'm like, I don't know. Like, do I, so I think where I'm at, I'm like, I think I need to stick it out just a little bit longer, mm-hmm. give it one more year. And if I'm in the same place that I was, that I am right now, maybe it's time for me to come home and start building in KW because I love this place and I love the people that I meet. Yeah. And the fact that I get to meet new people that are my age that I didn't grow up with here because honestly, we all know each other. Right. Like, we're all like, oh, high school, did I'm you learning that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, I bet you are learning that. And um, it's fun to come here and see people like you who come from, you know, the big city and then move to the small city. I'm really curious. I'm like, why? Like, what is it here? Like, should I move back? Like, right. what, what are you gaining from it? Um, and I also think like there's so much character as well. Um, and like you were saying, community, I want to get more into that because you know more than I do about it at this stage. I know what it was like when I was in high school. I don't know what it's like to be like a working woman. You're saying there's a lot of women, a lot of creative women get more into that because it's also women's March. Yeah. So what do you mean by that? Like you think that there's just a really great community of like female creatives here, female entrepreneurs. Like, what do you think? Yeah. Um, one note about your acting, though, in Toronto, I feel like it's interesting, too, when you say that, because I feel like your industry is still in Toronto. Like, the people that you might meet on an off chance and randomly bump into is always going to be greater in Toronto than here. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when you're talking about, oh, like, should I move back to Kitchener to create something here? I feel like that's it. It's like people are moving here because it's easier, I think, mm-hmm. but I might be biased, to create something new or to create mm-hmm. something for yourself versus when you're out there and you're in a more saturated city, it's mm-hmm. like... There's so much more competition and there's mm-hmm. so much more energy to battle with. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so yeah, the female community in KW, I feel like it's growing and I feel like it's becoming more evident. And I think as it grows and becomes more evident, it attracts more people. So it only exponentially goes uphill from here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah I think it's just amazing I feel Mm -hmm. like people like Makers Co and Bossy Women have done a good job of kind of showcasing that and that there is this community and I think it's inspiring too to be around these people because it kind of keeps you accountable as well um to see all these people doing amazing things and hustling Mm -hmm. you're just like wow like I want to continue to do what I'm doing or like Mm -hmm. start a hustle Mm -hmm. or you know yeah absolutely I think it's awesome and um yeah I'm like just I'm excited to see what else and how much like further it goes for you is there anything else that you kind of um want to touch on are there any projects that you've been working on um like any future plans something that you didn't get to touch on that you think is really important like anything even like advice because the podcast like I said I didn't know if you listened to it I started it in a, in a time when I like wasn't in a good place and I was yeah. feeling you know really down and I was like this isn't who I am I'm I'm a creative person I want to build things I don't want to just wait for opportunities com- to right. come to me it's like what would you tell people who are kind of in that same position of like yeah like they're either in a like they've just graduated and you know things are sort of working out like what would you tell people of how to motivate yourself and just just start building right start start building I love that Mm -hmm. because I think that's the hardest thing especially when you're a perfectionist or you think that something's directly related to you and your brand and is an extension of you you're scared to share it because you're scared of failing and this is something that I continue to struggle with both in work and in like side hustle and whatever because but I think the important thing is like just do what you can and push it out there ship it we like to say at work (laughs) (laughs) um and it's better to have it out there and discoverable so you can grow and iterate because there's an, you can't go backwards once you push something out and you launch something. You can only go forward with it mm-hmm. versus keeping it kind of to yourself. And I think the more you wait and the longer you let that kind of prolong itself, the more you overthink things and the more you stress about things. Um, so if you have an idea and you're just graduated or you're kind of just like thinking about something, I say, what are the key things that you need to get into a place where you're pretty okay with it and it hits all of your goals put it out there ask people what they think and then iterate and it just kind of gets better and improves the other thing you noted on is people don't know what they're doing I don't know what I'm doing (laughs) (laughs) I don't know who I am I feel like I go through like life crises so much um especially at this age um and like with all of our different stories and where we come from I always wonder like is this who I'm supposed to be? Like, is this who I am? Am I even portraying myself? Like, I don't Mm -hmm. even know who I am to portray myself. Like, I don't even know. There's so many questions. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's all just like, you don't really, like no one really has it figured out, you know? And if they seem like they do, it's because they've either done a good job of just accepting it and being self-aware or they're faking it till they make it. Mm -hmm. Um, So just being real with yourself too and knowing that it's okay with wherever you are in your journey, um, that you're reflecting and introspecting, but also pushing yourself to just check those things off that you've always thought about and moving the needle I think is important um things that I'm working on oh man I don't ever want my store to just be an online store like this is just the first step to kind of do something that I've talked about doing for a really long time so I'm proud of myself that it's finally out there (laughs) I want to like do something that I don't know improves the way that we shop or like consume things like I've toyed with this idea of like a fashion library for so long it's so cool that some are opening in Toronto because it was an idea from Copenhagen or having a like a physical store because I love just meeting with people. Wait, hold on. I really... Fashion library. Yes. So, so it's literally like, like... You come in and mm-hmm. you rent clothing because my whole thing is you should have timeless clothes that last for a really long time, right? So mm-hmm. would it be sustainable and scalable to have a business based on people who can come in and if they want to be this certain style one day, they can borrow a whole outfit mm-hmm. made of sustainable pieces because that makes it easier too to afford pieces that you might not afford. So it makes it easier to have a library or like res- or like this pool of clothing mm-hmm. that is made sustainably and made ethically because a lot of people can't afford a lot of those pieces. Mm-hmm. So if they can come in and pay a certain price and then be able to have access to all these really expensive things, but yeah. that's something that's more accessible, I think there's something really cool to that. And it also cool. takes away the lack of style piece to like the whole idea of, oh, I need to have a lot of money to be sustainable. Mm-hmm. But it's it's an interesting business kind of. I never even idea, thought about so. that. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, it's just it's like super hard if you think about it from a business sense to make mm-hmm, it profitable mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. even just source the clothes. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's something that I definitely have been researching for a long time, and it's something that I hope one day I could do in a certain way. Um, but yeah, 
Very cool. Yeah. Um, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know that you're a busy lady. Of course. Um, but I just want to say, like, thank you again. Yeah. I wish we could talk for longer. I know. Um, busy people. But, keep doing like, things. that XL Coffee is telling you you've got <laughs> a long road ahead of you. Thank you. Oh, the one thing I do want to mention, though, that uh-huh. I think is always important to mention yeah. is diversity. And I think it's cool to see that the community here is becoming more diverse because that was the other thing that I was like, like, especially going to Laurier, it was mostly white people. Oh, for sure. And I was like, oh, man, like this community. <laughs> yeah, sucks. But, it, yeah, <laughs> but it's cool to see that it's becoming more and more diverse with different ways of thinking and different people of different backgrounds and ethnicities. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's my last point to just sprinkle in there. Yeah. Didn't very important for that to point. be an after thought or after comment. But no, no, yes. very important point. <laughs> um, and I absolutely like. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad to hear that. I'm happy yeah. to hear that because like living in Toronto, it's absolutely not that. It's something that I don't even think about. But yeah, definitely coming here, it's there's a lot of white people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's always important to uh, represent people of different shapes, different sizes, different colors, different everything. Right. Um, and I like with even. Uh, I'll just touch on it quickly. What I do like my, because um, I like to write and I like to put out short clips. I always think about that because it's just like, we're Canadians. This is a part of our life. This is, and we need to accept that and be like, I don't want to just show <laughs> like white people on a screen, right. you know? Um, but at the same time, I will say like for my last thing that I did, it was pretty hard to find. And this has to do with people working for free. Um, it was a lot of people that were submitting to me to work for free were white people and I had like white people to choose from. Right. Um, but it is something that I always think about of like, okay, how can I, um, like be more diverse? What are the things that I'm talking about? Is what I'm talking about important? Is it relevant? Is it just bullshit? Um, but, and I think that goes with anything that we do. Um, but yeah, so I'm glad that you said that it wasn't like a, yeah. And a side note, (laughs) (laughs) um, but yeah, like I, uh, I'm going to continue to follow you. I'm excited. I just watched all of your highlights. Oh, thank you. And I think the packages that you were putting out for, um, you send out, like she sends out packages from her website and they're very cute. I'm guessing oh, you do it all thank you. by yourself. Yes. Oh, I'm trying sweet. really hard to keep it like as close to zero waste as possible. And what mm-hmm. that means right now for businesses is like using like post-consumer recycled content. So like the craft paper, I use hundred percent recycled. It's natural jute twine and it's like eucalyptus and all that. But I'm learning slowly. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's it was important. very pretty presentation. Thank you. You're welcome. I care about that. <laughs> um, yeah, just learning so much about like business and like mm-hmm. what it takes to run a business, but still sticks true to your values. Mm-hmm. So, but thank you. That means a lot. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys made it to the end of the podcast. Um, I'm happy that I had Cynthia here today. I hope you learned something. Um, yes. I hope you Thank made you it for to the end. Me. Yeah, of course. I'm happy. I'm happy that you're here. Um, we're about to hit 53 minutes, and I hope you're enjoying celebrating women for an entire month, not just the 8th, not just the 9th, that was my birthday, but for the entire month because it's important. And uh, yeah, so I'll talk to you guys soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. It's psychological hustle, I gotta battle these comments Like the king and the muscle, they keep on bursting my bubble Now every morning when I wake up, only me in the huddle So batter up, batter up, you know I'm hitting the double You know I'm running the bases, I know I gotta embrace it Like a girl without a top, just kinda sitting on your lap Boy, what you do? Girl, I rap, I rap nasty Maybe one day I'll say chase to the paparazzi it's psychological hustle, be prepared for anything and everything, it'll tear you down, it'll tear you down, it's psychological hustle, psychological hustle, psychological